welcome to another edition of Mr. Nice Guy. I'm Ben Slowey, and joining me today, um, I've got a, a, a tenured musician uh, who's played in uh, several um, different uh, experimental psychedelic music acts, uh, among them Moss Folk, as well as A. James Shelf in the Rolling Hills. Um, he's also the uh, the creator and curator of the annual Milwaukee Psych Fest. Um, which sadly we missed this year uh, in person. Um, I, I I was really looking forward to it because it would have been my first psych fest. But uh, I know I was gonna go last year, but I ended up having to work. Oh no! Yeah, I, last year I don't know. If, I, I don't know. How I'm ever gonna top last year, man. <laughs> I know. I Stacy just said it was like the best thing like she's ever experienced so um i'm i'm bummed i missed it but we will we're gonna i mean i'll make it to psych fest eventually but yeah um without further ado uh I'd like to welcome andrew shelp to the show hello thanks for oh. having me. how are you doing today andrew i'm doing pretty awesome man all things considered i guess you know doing all right how about you uh, I'm great. Um, I just got back home about half an hour ago. Uh, my partner and I went up to Door County for the weekend. Um, we stayed in a uh, in an inn. We did uh, some real cool, some hiking, some uh, you know, walked on the beach, ate some good food, did some shopping. Uh, it rained all day yesterday, so that was interesting. Yeah. But uh, yeah, man. What What about you? What'd you do this weekend? Oh gosh! Hung some pictures in the, around the house. <laughs> Played some guitar. Ate a bunch of food. <laughs> kind of, I kind of watched the Packers today because it's you know like a Wisconsin staple. You know, yeah, it's like a rite of passage apparently. Even though I I give zero zero craps about football. <laughs> it's like it's like oh, but I like the Packers. <laughs> right. You know. Yeah. The, uh, it's about that. Yeah. Two kids. I, you're the one-year-old, and you know, uh, and my wife. Like we, we're always busy. Oh, there's always something to do. Yeah, yeah, I get that. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm not a sports guy either. I give, I put very little stock into, you know, sports. But at yeah. that point, it's kind of a cultural thing, or it's just kind of like you're just around it all the time. So you kind of just watch it via environment. The state is perfect for that. Where it's like. No, no other, I don't think any other state is so, like, just fanatical about their sports teams. And, you know, and it was cool to have Giannis and the Bucks take the stand, you know, take the stand for racial equality and social justice. That was, you know, like, sit out the game of the playoffs, which is, like, it's huge. You know, the impact on that's going to resonate for decades, you know, if not forever, that that happened. And it's cool that the Milwaukee is going to be synonymous with that happening. But, yeah. you know, the, the Packers didn't come out to the, for the national anthem for their game today. They, they stayed in the locker room. So, I mean, it's it's for the longest time you never thought that sports would be synonymous with with, with act like you know a activism but it's 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 cool that it's happening like people are you know people are listening to them they didn't listen to us for the last 50 years but yeah no like athlete right yeah exactly i mean the, the thing that folks got a grasp is that no one wants to make sports political. I mean, these athletes at the end of the day just want to play their sports and focus on their careers. But when, but they're also still human beings. And when injustices happen that, you know, may affect them on a personal level, like, you know, at that point they have every right to, to take a stand and, and, you know, to bring attention to it because like, you know, at that point, polit like it shouldn't be political, but at that point, it's just like, you know, it can't be, it can't be separated. You know, what else is going to make people that think they like to stay out of politics? Like, what's like, what's gonna, what else is gonna force them to fucking notice it and and like say that it's it's happening and it's it's not right. You can only ignore it for so long, right? I mean, and it's now it's getting forced, and it's I love that's that's why I love it. I mean, it's plus yeah, like you said, like it's, I mean, professional athletic teams have been exploiting people of color for since they started. You know, I mean, granted, 
a lot of teams were, you know, bef they were segregated, so they didn't have the integration of, you know, black players in the in the uh, when Jackie Robinson came, I bought he like it was in the fifties. Gosh, I'm a huge baseball freak. I can't remember, but you know, so it's it's part of political, you know, activist culture. Like sports are part of it. It's just yep. funny growing up skateboarding and being artsy and always having like jocks like i played sports too i was super athletic and i love sports like i put the, the games are great like the the you know financial aspects and the business of it all is kind of gross to me and the the culture of it's gross to me but the playing the game is fun like their games they're supposed to be fun yeah. and so i always i always did that along with skateboarding and like you know being involved in art and music and things like that so like i was in a black sheep and i would be called you know people would call me whatever you know whatever name you could think of and i was always picked on sorry like jocks always were gross to me but now, like, look at this. Like, now it's all of a sudden, like, it's, I don't care if it's just a trend, which I don't think it is. I think it's, I mean, these are, it's people of color coming out and saying this. But even if it, even if it's the white players having their, their you know, teammates back, at least it's a conversation that's happening. It's necessary. That's had to happen for a long time. So I'm cool with it all. Like, it's happening. People are listening. Change is coming. No one can stop it. And I love it. I'm yeah. so, I'm so excited for, like, what, I mean, you said you're 24, I'm, 20, I'm 45. Like, I'm so stoked what your generation's doing, man. Like, and like generations that had, like older than me are stoked about your generation. Like, we're all, we all got your backs. That's all I got to say about that. Like, we're, we're, we're with you. We got you. Oh, oh yeah, man. I appreciate that. Thank you for saying that, Andrew. Um, I mean, I'm a, uh, uh, this year I got involved in the PSL and doing community organizing. And I mean, we have, so many older folks coming out to our marches these days you know like we have a lot of folks that are either you know your age or older that are that have grown up with this system and grown up with these models of oppression and they know it when they see it and they're calling it out i mean and i i i that makes me so happy to see it's, it's like you know there's such a stigmatization of like the boomer generation because and and I mean, like, I get it, but there's also, yeah, there's right. also, yeah. <laughs> the real thing, like, <laughs> but yeah, but I also know plenty of uh, older folks that are showing up to rallies and marches and teachings, just like people my age are, and uh, we love to see that. So, yeah, That's, man. I just recently finished training, like, to become a legal observer for the ACLU because mm. I. Was, you know, there's, it's not that I can't, it's just that, I don't know, I'm, I'm at this crossroads in my life when it comes to activism about like what what role I should play. And I was like, I, you know, for the longest time I kicked around this idea of joining the ACLU and finally I, just, I did it like Emilio Del Toro. He's a huge music freak down in Milwaukee, awesome dude. He's yeah. the one who's like, do it, do it. Cause he was, he was um, like a chapter leader. I, I can't remember yeah, what it is. Shout out to Emilio. I know yeah. Emilio. Yeah. 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 He was the one that was like, do it, man. Just do it. Like, stop thinking about it. Just do it. So I finally did it. And I was like, I missed the, the two I got texts from. <laughs> I wasn't able to attend because of whatever, like either family things. But I'm really excited to, to be my do my first legal observation for the ACLU, hopefully soon. Good. Congrats. That's awesome. <laughs> That's Great. super dope. So, uh, Andrew, what we talk about on Mr. Nice Guy, uh, uh, we talk love and fear, passion and creativity. And we've been connected for like a, a little over a year or so. Um, this is our first time meeting in person or virtually, like face to face at least. But um, yeah, man, I've I've been familiar with your work uh, from doing the Milwaukee Psych Fest as well as like you know the Moss Folk and your projects. I'm a big psychedelic experimental music freak, and I spend a lot of time listening to that kind of music. And I connect with uh, viscerally, and I and you know I I just have been really excited to really get to know yourself and your own artistry as well as your um, uh, conception with Psychfest. So I guess we'll start from the beginning, and I'd love to hear a little bit about your own musical background. When did you start playing? Oh gosh, um, I started playing. I didn't play instruments until I was almost 30, I think. It's like in my late 20s. I'd always sing in punk bands growing up. Um, and I did some hip hop DJ work for a while in the night, like late 90s, early 2000s. Um, 
but I think my first, I got my first guitar probably in like 2002 or so, somewhere around there. And then it was like, it was literally the White Stripes, listening to the White Stripes got me like, I was like, oh man, like guitar drums, like, yeah, now like I, I don't have to form a band and have band practices all the time. Like, look at what these guys are doing. And I was like, so I just was like, oh, I'll just get a guitar and like, of course, go right to blues, you know, like, the, you know, fuzzy, fuzzy blues, fuzzy loud blues. So the first band I was in was, of course, guitar and drums duo. And he had never, the, the drummer had never played drums in a band before. And I never played guitar. And we booked, we had our first show before our first practice. <laughs> so it was, because we were both, we both came from like, you know, like the basement scene, like just, we came from punk, punk background. So like, we were just like, let's just do it. Let's just do it. Make it happen. Let's go. Like, we played at this bar and Nina it was with, um, I don't know if you know, Justin Perkins in town. It was with his of band, course. Yeah. Obs uh, Obsoletes and the Mystery Girls. It was like, it was a killer lineup as far as those two bands. And then our, our band, like, we opened up for him. And I mean, it, we, we loved it. Like we, you know, stood on the kick drum. Kick, I kicked all his cymbals off of his stands. You know, we were just raucous, like high energy as fast as you can play the blues, blues kind of music. And then... Uh, that lasted for a couple years and then I ended up moving over to Michigan and I moved to Michigan I got involved in one of the co-ops there it was called the DAC like the Division Avenue Arts Cooperative booking shows and um, playing a little bit more but then I was like you know as far as, far as like music background I, I grew up with the classic rock you know really young like I, I feel like everybody does like you listen to what your dad listens to in the car your mom listens to or whatever your, your siblings which so my sister is five years older than me and this would have been the 80s so like I was lucky enough to have someone introduce me to like The Cure and Echo and the Bunnymen, Love and Rockets, Violent Femmes when I was you know like 10 years old, nine years old. So I grew up with a super eclectic musical background you know my mother listened to, like she loved Deep Purple, my dad loves like um, kind of cool outlaw stoner country stuff and then my sister had like anything art rock from the 80s you know, and then from that, I got into hip hop, you know, so I took hip hop and ran with that for a while, of course, with like punk and hardcore and like that's started playing in those bands. And then after this blues band, you know, I moved, I moved over to Michigan after the blues band. And all of a sudden I met everyone that was into like way heavy into Krautrock. Oh, yeah. You know, there's a couple of guys I was with at the art co-op were super into Krautrock. Um, what part of uh, Michigan were you in? Grand Rapids. So Western Michigan, um, it's a cool town, um, cool to visit. I, you know, I mean, it's kind of, I'm super nomadic, so I say every town is like that. Cool to visit, like we don't, we don't want to live there, but yeah, uh, my folks are in uh, Ann Arbor, so now okay. like I'm beautiful, beautiful town yeah, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, college town, you know, but um, yeah. but I do love Michigan. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, I mean, lower and upper, they're both. I mean. The, I used to go to Traverse City. You said you went to Door County, and like Traverse City is the the Door County of Michigan. Yeah, yeah, but, pretty much. But yeah, so these cats kind of like some of the guys I was hanging out with were like build your own instruments, no wave, the kraut rock stuff, like really experimental electronic stuff too. And like, I, so I started getting into that, and then I formed the first like formation of Moss Folk was actually called Tin Pigeons, and it was. Um, this dude named Ken, I don't remember Ken's last name, was terrible. Oh, Mikey. There, I remember it. Ken Mikey. He, like, had, like, a gas can base. He used to put uh, reverb springs, like, on the outside of snare drums. Like, you would have, like, you would have the, the springs on top of a snare. You put them on the outside and would, like, run them into effects. So every time you hit a drum, it would just, like, just go crazy. And we just, yeah, it was cool. It was fun. It was really fun. And we just, it was almost, like, just, like, experimental dub music because it was, like, so drenched in reverb and oh it was fun that tin give me all of that yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was really really fun i know and we don't have any recordings of that we just played shows and like we played with like the guys from liars like we've had some really cool shows oh, wow. you know yeah but we never liars is a never fucking insane seen. band yeah <laughs> yeah but the band we played with uh was called um no things and it was the original guitarist of liars the original bass player liars and then a drummer so it was like the two of the first three members of Liars. They changed lineups except for like this one. I think like the main dude, Lars or whatever his name is. 
So it was like, it was all the guys from like the first few Liars albums, their new band. And they were, it was, it was cool. It was really cool, but never recorded. And then um, I ended up through, through Tin Pigeons, I ended up playing shows with this band called Indian Jewelry from Texas. And I got kind of, they're very cultish. They kind of just absorb people. And I got absorbed into that band and I toured in, in Indian Jewelry for a little while. <laughs> and then I kind of just jumped out in the middle of that tour and came back to Michigan. And then that's when Tin Pigeons kind of morphed into Moss Folk and I went off in this more guitar centric direction. It was still like very, very experimental and atmospheric with, you know, mostly improvisational movements with a little, like maybe a song or two. And that's kind of like what morphed into what I brought back to, like when I moved back to Milwaukee in 2011, it was at that point where there was, it switched more like from just having the experimentation there was more songs within like interludes instead of just being all interludes with a song maybe in the middle of it. And now it's, I don't I mean, now we never see each other. So now when we get to the area, it's just all experimentation and jamming because we're all comfortable with each other. But so yeah, it's, I don't, it's been a long, strange journey. Yeah. Most lives are, right? <laughs> sounds like it, man. Uh, yeah. It sounds like you've, you've, uh, taken a really vast catalog of influence um and in, uh, crafting your own sound and like that's really awesome um yeah i just love music and all everything influences me i mean literature influences me nature influences I mean, it just it's you know such like the, it's so cliche to say but it's I mean, it's everything influences me yeah same i movies are a big influence of, of mine um like i love like you know fantasy and surreal movies particularly because like you connected that part of imagination you were taught to like you know store in your childhood memories mm -hmm. and not and leave it there but i love like bringing it back to the forefront to like you know explore just you know euphoric ideas and you know utopian like idyllic <laughs> uh nature and stuff like that man i man and, and that goes hand in hand with the, the psychedelic music for sure yeah i was gonna say that it's, it's kind of how you describe a lot of people's take on music it's where it's a lot of people are into psychedelia because of the that the i don't the openness of it if you will like it's not it's not so much there's not a whole lot of intent intent going on with it it's 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 open for interpretation. What one person hears when they're listening to music and what they experience is going to be completely different from what somebody else's, you know, there's, when you have the drones and the pulses and like the microtonal things happening and like, just if anything can happen to anybody at any given time, no one's forcing anything down your throat. I mean, there are bands that do, which is awesome. I mean, there's, but like, and then you have like a band where it's like sunburn hand of the man or, Ask Mother's Temple, where they can just take you on these sonic journeys, and like, it's it's like literally getting in a rocket ship and taking off, and you have no idea where you're gonna go. Oh yeah, dude! One of my favorite albums of all time is uh, Beaches and Canyons by Black Dice. There you go. Oh man, that's that <laughs> stuff is like, you know, a it just feels like this like whimsical, but also terrifying like journey through like ambience but also like just such deep reflection like black dice just does such an amazing job of like those introspective drones but also like those moments of intense clarity mm -hmm. um yeah and then uh also you have bands like godspeed you black emperor that take you through these massive soundscapes of you know political uprising and yeah, I mean, it's, you, you can, I mean, some, some music like that is very, like, uh, you know, it's intended for, like, a specific, like, feeling like that, but at the same time, like, you know, you can also carve new meanings to it as well, um, and I think a lot of psychedelic and noise music is really important to listen right now because of what's been happening in 2020, you know, where, the system is being, you know, the, the, the murderous and, and, you know, racist and uh, just brutal 
capitalist oppression of so many is just being exposed right now. And that's what it's almost like the, the music that all of that music that's been made is being, has been intended for moments like these, you know? Mm-hmm. Do you think it's, do you think it's because it's, it's kind of, it, it's inspiring or is it indicative of the like dystopian society that's surrounding us right now? You know? I think it's both. I think it could be both, you know, like it's expo it's, it does like bring, you know, it, it, it's anthemic to that dystopianness, but it's also like, wow, like this shit is dark. This shit is like, I don't feel so good after listening to this. Like, let's fucking go out there and change the world, you know? I have a, I have a cool black, black dice story, actually. I have a, I went out, I stayed at, actually, one of the formations of Moss Folk, I, I was fortunate enough to have the drummer from Gang Gang Dance in the band for a little while. And really? He, he brought me out to New York. Um, well, it was like, he was, we never did anything, the thing, like, the thing it was, like, he never, we didn't, we weren't recording and we weren't really playing that many shows. So it was like, he was in Moss Folk just, like, literally to play with us when, like, with what we were doing, which wasn't like, I don't know, we were just jamming a lot. Yeah. You know, we'd jamming from like for six hours at the, at the, at the space kind of thing. So, but it was awesome because it made me like really change my approach on what did I want, what I expected out of a percussionist. And it's like, he set the bar, the bar way too high. <laughs> but he, his name was Tim Duet. I, I should say he is Tim Duet. Um, he brought me out to New York with him. So I got a really, really crazy um first example of my like it was my first trip to new york it was like uh 2005 i think i think it was 2005 we just drove straight out from michigan got into town and they had this thing that um the boredoms were curating and around the world called boa drum mm. and ganging dance was in charge of the curation of the the boa drum 88 in brooklyn so what they did was they put 88 drummers fold kits around the stage and the gang dance set up in the middle and then gang dance would start playing and every measure a drummer would jump in. So they'd play 88 measures of the song. So every eight, all 88 drummers could play in unison. It was insane. But so that was like day one. And then day two, I get up and gang gang has got a show in central park with battles and black dice. Like that was uh -huh. the lineup was battles, black dice and gang dance. And so I'm literally just out of my mind. Cause this is New York. I mean, if you've ever been to New York, it's like, I've never been able to go do, I've, I've been through there a few times on tours and stuff, but like, I've never been able to do touristy, touristy stuff. It's always been like, it's just balls out, like, like yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, it was, and I'm literally just trying to keep my shit together in, in Central Park and also in Black Dice starts and I'm just like, duh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I was, I'm just late, you know, like literally like I was like, oh, oh, what, what? And like, I was weaving through the crowd of like, you know, like, it was crazy. It was like the youngest crowd too. It was all, it was like teenagers and in, in, like in the middle of Central Park, but they were getting down. Like everyone was down for this stuff. And it was yeah. so awesome. And they just weaved through the crowd until I got to the front of the stage. And then you just sat there and watched Black Dice jam out for an hour. And I was like, and I'm, you know, with Central Park as the backdrop and me just trying to not lose my mind. I was just like, this is, I love this. Yeah, dude, that is insane. That is so cool. I'm, I saw Black Dice play. I also, yeah, I also love Gang Gang Dance, too. Like, God's Money is one of my all-time favorite yeah. rappers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm a I'm a diehard Animal Collective fan. All right. Um, so I got that's into, like... That's who I ended up staying at. Like, they were on tour. They were on, like, they did a show, like, with Radiohead at Jet Stadium or something like that. And so Josh, whatever Josh's Deacon. name is, like... Deacon. Yes. Josh, Josh is like, you can have my place... So I, I stayed in his room. I, they were doing all this stuff because they were gone for a few days. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. That's what I'm saying. Like my trip, my first trip to New York was like so ridiculously over the top. I was like, so then they got done and the, like they, I, you know, they threw me in the, it was like Brian, whatever Brian's name, like Brian's Geologist. Like, Thank you. <laughs> you. You know more, far more about Alpha. But it was funny because like, yeah, they literally just like threw me in there out back and drove me around in Brooklyn to bars and like, it was ridiculous because it's like you i couldn't pay for anything because all the bars were like oh animal click is here like everything's on the house kind of thing yeah and, I, and like new york is rad and then i came through on tour and i got charged for everything and it was like 20 dollars for a paps not really but you know, it was a <laughs> yeah i was like man this sucks new york's whack <laughs> yeah 
Man, that's insane. That's so yeah. cool. I, it's funny stories, right? You know, like right. Well, weird things that happen because music, though. <laughs> yeah, totally. I mean, I so I've been really into Animal Collective for years, but I discovered all those other bands like Ganging Dance, Black Dice. Um, you know, Spotify is helpful with that because you find all the related artists. But I got into like all like the Paw Tracks uh, yeah. bands and stuff. And uh, did you ever come across this band called Rings on Paw Tracks? Yes. Yeah. I've, I've heard of rings. Yeah. Okay. So Nina, the girl, like she was, she was like the kind of like, the, I think the main, the main one in rings. That's who that was Nina and Josh's house is where I stayed. So oh, it was like, yeah. they were all really tight. Like all the pot tracks bands all lived together in different parts of New York. Oh man. That's Nina was dating Tim from gang gang. And that's how I got into Josh's house, like the place. Cause they're like, oh, Josh was like, Oh man, I'll be gone. I can't take my place. It was awesome. Cause it literally like all it was, was, a mattress in the middle of this room, but it's like just covered with Grateful Dead, like flakes everywhere. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's that sounds about right. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, just sitting there, I was like, I thought there'd be more stuff. Like, you guys are doing pretty well for a, as a band right now, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no kidding. They're they're, not, they're always gone. That's why he just said he had nothing there. But yeah, it was Black Dice. Is, I don't, nobody talk, like, I don't hear many people reference Black Dice, so I'm kind of stoked that you started off like that. Oh, yeah, dude, well, I'm, um, I'm actually part of, like, um, so Animal Collective has, like, a devoted fan base, and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, we're in, like, a Facebook group together, and we share a lot of, like, other artists that we really like and stuff like that, and I've also discovered, like, Sonic Boom is another one that's really cool. From Basement uh, 3? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, been really into Sonic Boom lately as well. Sure. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I've, I've discovered all kinds of like, you know, going even further into like, you know, noise music and just like mm -hmm. world pop and um, like uh, trying to think uh, other bands that are on that label, like um, Acceptor and yeah. Prince Rama yep. um, really just, really fascinating stuff ariel pink was there for a while too um yep. yeah i mean i i'm all that stuff is just like it's like candy to me right on. it's awesome yeah. Could be all this there are people too in all those bands that's you know so it makes it really easy to get behind them how would it so yeah tell me about who like how did um so i know moss folk um um I was looking on Bandcamp, like, uh, last release, I believe, was six years ago, 2014? Yeah, it was, yeah, because, yeah, my daughter just turned six, and I finished that recording right when she was born. So, yeah, six years ago. What What are you plotting with right now with Moss Folk? For Moss Folk, it's kind of, you know, like, I found that that group, because it's always been, like, a rotating cast of people, um, and it's... I don't know, like the, with this last, since I moved back to Milwaukee, I kind of like found a really tight core. But the drummer, Ryan, had moved out to, he moved to Melbourne. He, he was on tour with his other band and found, found True Love on the road and got married. So he's in Australia now. Kevin and Jen are in Brief Candles. I'm busy with, multi, they, have, they have a few other bands too. And um, newer members like Dan Dahl and um, Al Kramer from Astral Hand are busy doing the, the, all their stuff too so it's you know getting everybody together and Ken, Kendra Amelie like she's doing huge like yeah. yeah yep yep she's doing really well with her success like, or like her solo stuff so it's really hard to get everybody together but it's kind of like that's the crew that's gonna I think probably be around for a while it's I'm not you know I'm not against adding more people but I really liked how all of us vibe together so I don't really want to change change from that core of people yeah. So it's kind of like when people kind of reach out when they're ready to do stuff. I'm always ready to do stuff. I'm, you know, that's why I have the, like the AJ Michelle and the Rolling Hills stuff. But that's AJ Michelle and the Rolling Hills is it's still, you know, drifty stuff, you know, but it's more folk and like rural rock, country type stuff based. Where I'm gonna do more, more folky lyrics and things like that. Like the few shows that I played with that, like I did Drone Out Drones two years now with AJ Michelle and the Rolling Hills. Um, that's a unique atmosphere where you just want to do kind of improvis improvisational music because you're playing. I don't know if you're familiar with drone out drones, but you know, it's, it's a 28 hour thing, isn't it? Yeah. It was no stop. Like, so like, 
I'll, like I always play the sunrise set now. So I always play like at 7.15 in the morning on, the, on that Saturday. Like, so it starts Friday night and then I play Saturday morning when the sun rises. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then it's like, the, so there's a couple of recordings of that stuff, but it's, you know, it just guitar, it's like guitar solely stuff, you know, where I just kind of noodle around on the guitar, which is kind of, kind of indicative of what we're going to do, but um, it's still, yeah, I, I haven't recorded any of that stuff either. Every, with, with everything that's been happening, like the pandemic and just all the, just, just everything else that's happened in the world, I haven't like focused much on recording or playing, um, writing songs. I just kind of walk around the yard with a guitar and just noodle around. I mean, I'm remembering some of the things, but I don't, writing right now isn't, I guess, not a priority. Yeah. If somebody said like, "Hey, do you want to play a show tomorrow?" I'd be like, "Yes," and I would do it. And I probably I wouldn't practice, but we would we would definitely do it. And probably sound yeah. crazy. Be fun. I hear. Yeah, I hear. Yeah. I mean, I think. Uh, yeah, like, you know, obviously with with the pandemic, like so many projects and artists are in that sort of creative limbo, where it's sort of like, you know, are we? in the mode to even like release music and promote ourselves right now or what yeah yeah it's man it's 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 uh, it's spooky talking i mean because obviously all the psych fest stuff is still happening too so like i'm constantly in, in combos with other bands and agents and no one's no one's booking into next year yet people are looking at like they're not saying 2021 is going to be a return for music so it's like it's freaking me out now, you know, it's kind of getting spooky. So I think gears just have to sh sh shift in people's, you know, in lives and where you have to, if you want to do it, you can do it. You just got to make it happen. It's got to be something, you know, you got to, you got to be responsible with what you're doing, you know? And I think that's, I hope that's everyone's priority when they, when they come back out and do music again, if, if like, I mean, they will, it's not a matter of, it's a matter of when, but you just have to do it responsibly. And I, I kind of feel like outdoor shows are going to be the wave of the future. And that's awesome if, you know, if that's what happens. And I hope it does. That's what I'm going to try to do for Psych Fest for next year. Yeah. Dude, totally. I'd, I'm very into the outdoor show idea as well. And yeah, like like you said, I was just uh, just heard yesterday that, you know, experts are predicting that, uh, you know, the, the pandemic itself will likely not even show um, significant uh curve flattening until like toward the end of next year and uh, i mean it's alarming i mean it's not necessarily surprising because americans are selfish and impatient and entitled and uh, they just everything they took they took cases going down as a cue to just open everything back up this year which was the grave mistake um so yeah, I mean, I do hope that there becomes a you know safer innovation for outdoor shows because just like you, I mean, I I miss shows so much, and you know, it's not only like a it's not only like you know a way to just enjoy art and ideas and soak it all in and connect with it, but it's also it can be a social catalyst too, where you see a lot of people you don't see otherwise, mm -hmm. and. Um, I mean, I know a lot of people in the DIY scene out here uh, that are pretty reclusive, just like me, and we don't see each other unless we're going to shows. Yes, yeah. that's how we do it. Uh, that's like how activists meet. That's how I met everybody that I still hang with. You know, like it was at shows. You know, and the, like you weren't at you weren't at a basement punk show unless you were like politically active. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, I mean, like that's yeah. why that's why you were listening to that music, and that's why you were doing shows in somebody's garage or basement i mean like it, diy diy culture is definitely synonymous to me with activism like that's those are the people that are hitting the streets those are the people that are like taking like taking action for the change that need to be made and it's shows are crucial to that you know and record shops need to open because they're the concierges of the cities like they're the ones that are hip to all that knowledge too and like who's doing what and where are they meeting? Like record shops will tell you, they know all that stuff. So it's, people just gotta chill out, wear masks, stay home, isolate, stay clean. So we can get through this and get going. Seriously, man. Seriously, I, yeah, dude. I mean, like you said, I, I, I'm a firm believer, yes. Like 
music and the music scene is inseparable inseparable from politics, social justice, and like anyone that says otherwise is talking out of privilege. You know, that's mm-hmm. why a lot of this music is made in the first place. Exactly. And, you know, like <laughs> to take us out of this absurd and chaotic world that has allowed so much um atrocities to to be to to be allowed without justice or consequence i mean a lot of people have been dropping music lately which you know i i respect and and you know dig and you know i i'm glad people are you know sort of making something out of nothing right now it's they're doing the best they can but i totally empathize and respect all that can't do that right now because you know it's it's just such a weird time for some people it just doesn't feel right to create I, I respect that too. I guess it just kind of depends on yourself and your artistry. Um, yes, yeah, are creating like crazy, and some I, I, you know, and I, I don't, yeah, I just, I don't know. I can't playing playing a riff is one thing, but writing a song right now, and it's, uh, I don't know. Yeah. So, a, yeah. so how did um how did the Rolling Hills project kind of uh, start? Um. It kind of well. It started because I moved up to Plymouth, actually, because then I was by myself more often than not, and I, you know, it was AJ himself in the Rolling House because sometimes I was going to do solo, sometimes I was going to bring people up from Milwaukee to actually do stuff with me. So that's why it's like, and the Rolling Hills, maybe, <laughs> or maybe I don't know. But I always wanted to do something more, more. Uh, I don't know. Probably in the last five years, I wanted to do something that had more, like was more focused. Because Moss Folk was like when it like we got to, we got really like kind of you know Eastern and worldly sounding for a while, and that kind of led me to like to country music. It was just funny because like I went to India before I came back to the United States, you know, kind of thing. Like in my mind, when listening to this music, I was listening to sitar, and then all of a sudden that led to pe- like pedal steel. You know, and I was like, whoa, pedal steel! Like it, you know, I know I started in music before, and I just was like, oh, pedal steel, like that's cool. But then I started like really digging into it, and I was like, now that stuff's crazy. So I was starting to write songs where it's like leaving that space so I could find a pedal steel player. Like I have a lap steel. So whenever, if, when, or if I ever record that stuff, I can do the, the lap steel parts, but getting those note bends, like you get in a pedal steel is crucial, but that's all going to be like chill stoner, chill vibes. You know, I don't know. It's probably just listening to that dead a lot. Let's just, let's just put that like, <laughs> way too much. And then I was like, I, I should just, God, play some chill vibes like this. Yeah. But those, even when I do those songs, like I did a campfire show thing for the Coopers on Instagram Live a couple months ago, it still turns into like a 15-minute song where it gets all crowdy, like and all repetitive and stuff. It's like I can't ever get away from that stuff. Like I'll croon the tune, and all of a sudden, like, and this bridge is going to be 10 minutes long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, but I mean, I think I definitely think some people need that right now. Just you know that. Uh, those extended uh, instrumentations that they can just vicariously live into, you know, like yeah. it's it's good. It's, it's meditative. I dig that. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And that's what it's I, like. Second kill is one of the last conversations I had with Trace before he passed was we were talking about, we were comparing sitar and laps or pedal steel together, you know, or like how it'd be cool to have a sitar pedal steel band. Yeah. So, you know, all that stuff together and there, i mean there's bands that touched on it in the 60s for sure like kaleidoscope i think did some stuff like that where they had songs that were pedal steel and then they go to the next song and a sitar and so it's like not in the same song but at least on the same album and it's i mean they're all like transcendental sounds really to me i don't know like that's the way i interpret them is and you, you leave enough space for somebody to like to let their mind wander and fill in the blanks for themselves i don't see how you, you know you could go yeah. wrong with Ascending into just like a, a a different dimension of like mental consciousness in some ways. Yeah, I mean for real, like it's that's kind of I to go from like I said like to, from classic rock to punk to hip hop to where I'm at now. I, I mean like every time I listen to the, the the music I used to listen to, it's all still incredibly transcendental to me. You know, like it's it, I mean it can be I mean like Gordon Lightfoot. I don't it can be. I mean, not bands like Foreigner or Bad Company or anything like that, where it's just like just blatant radio rock stuff. Yeah, like, yeah. Makes, them, makes them money, but like 
the songwriters, you know, like Steve Earle and like, all that stuff is still, you, you can just drift away. You just, if you lay back, close your eyes and listen to that music, it's, and those guys are all like into Eastern meditation and East, you know, yeah. they all probably have copies of the I Ching in their bedrooms. They all, you know, like, you know, like it's like, it's so obvious to me a lot, a lot of these people are into spirituality and mysticism. And totally. Even if, even if they play country music, you can tell, you can tell they're still into like learning about the self and how to, you know, be a decent person and contribute to humanity. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point. I, man, yeah. The record of the Edmund Fitzgerald is still one of my favorite songs to this day. You know, it's such a great song. Such a tragedy that happened. But that song is just like, it gives you goosebumps still, doesn't it? Like you hear it and it's just like, like that riff, man, it's East, that's, a, that's an Eastern scale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that song, you know. I to me, like some of the most the songs I just most uh, emotionally connect to and lose myself in are those that put a vivid picture in my mind of like they put me out of my own body into into some into some sort of like you know scenario or into some sort of like you know escapism and. Uh, that song is a great example. You listen to Towns Van Zant at all? Uh, not, not too much, actually. So I've, I've been listening to a lot of Towns and a lot of Blaze Foley lately. They kind of do that with their lyrics. The songs you can totally, I mean, they're all tragic, of course. It's all, but it's all you can. I don't know. I can relate to a lot of this stuff, so it really like sucks me into their the storytelling that they're doing. That's kind of why. I don't know that I'll ever get to the level of like actually writing like decent enough lyrics with AJ Show up in the early house, but that's the intent is like, I want to tell a story. I want to tell something that's important. you like, I could, I might be making it up. I might tell, you know, it might be complete confession. I don't know, but I want to, I want, that's why I love folk music too. Like the lyrics and folk music, you know, are significant. And the music of the sounds and the tones of Krautrock rock are significant and you mesh those two together. And I like, kind of, that's what I'm trying to pull off with that crap. We'll see what happens <laughs> hey man I, I i love to see it i can't wait to hear it um i i everything you're saying right now like uh i resonate with hard so i can't wait to hear the stuff you're working on genuinely cool. i have one fan <laughs> yeah. one, two three mom and dad <laughs> oh yeah right mm. now my dad would probably be like this is shit <laughs> <laughs> and i'll be like no, man, you just don't understand it, dude. It's just <laughs> different every time, man. Like <laughs> you, you and your, you and your pothead hippie friends. Yeah, yeah. And I'll be like, what about it? Yeah, I'm wearing the yeah. same outfit I've worn for three days. <laughs> <laughs> so um, that leads us to Milwaukee Psych Fest. Yeah. Um, uh, tell us about how that became conceptualized. That started off. Um, it literally happened it started off because hey i always wanted to do a music festival however i didn't ever have like the i don't know enough initiative to actually try to do it and then eric yuki at cactus club um one year for 420 i think they just had a, like a, a spot open for 420 and he knew what, like you what i you know whatever i the music i played and stuff i'd done he's like he's like can you put together a show for 420 and i was like sure and then i called it like this incredibly like insensitive like i called it like it was 420 rock and soul powwow or something like that. And, you know, and then I had some native friends get a hold of me and like, Hey man, like powwow, you shouldn't say that man. Elders would be pissed. And I was like, Oh shit. I'm sorry, man. Like, I didn't even think about that. Like, I'm so sorry. So it's like, even in our current age, like you, there's things that, you know, and it's like, you don't even realize it. And you're just like, Oh my God, I'm so stupid. I'm so sorry. Of course that's a thing. That's like literally like that is a spiritual, like, journey like for natives like the powwows are very important and native like or spirit animal the concept of spirit animal that's yeah it. yeah yeah and i'm sitting uh yeah so so then after i was made privy to that I'm like it already happened but that's you know because i was like well the flyer, like i'm sorry it's, it's ha it, like it already happened then i changed it to milwaukee psych fest because austin was already happening i kind of figured cause we were going to be working with a lot of the same bands i already knew that going into it um I was like, well, maybe it'll attract some of the same people and maybe we'll work together. Like I tried reaching out to them right away. I'm like, hey, I'm doing this thing in Milwaukee. I'm gonna call it the Milwaukee Psych Fest. And if you guys wanna do it like around the same time, like we can we can book bands from like from other countries and like if you they're guaranteed these spots, 
that they know they're going to play some festivals and make some money, like maybe they'll be more likely to come over and stuff. And they didn't respond to me. Austin didn't even respond. They didn't, they didn't care. I was too small time for them or whatever. Um, and then it, and then it morphed. Yeah, it just kept happening. It was, I was touring less and less too. And I kind of wanted to see my friends more and, you know, booking shows. Obviously you can do that. You're like, Oh, Hey, do you want to come play a show in Milwaukee with me or something? Whatever. Um, are you going to be on tour? Why don't you come to Milwaukee? Um, but yeah, so that's kind of how that all started. And then it just kept, when I reached out to those bands and those agents, then they kept hitting me up for other shows. And I was like, I really, aren't, I'm like, I'm not a promoter. Like I just do this one festival. That's what I try to do. Like I have my own band stuff that I try to focus on and do this, do this festival once a year. Um, but then they throw like bands like, Oh, well we have Asa Mother's Temple coming, you know? And I'm like, Oh yeah, that, that, that should not be, they should not skip Milwaukee. <laughs> we should probably book that. Like I will help you book that. And then, so like, there's still a couple bands ever, or you know, a couple shows besides Psychfest that happen here, like things like that that come through. But Psychfest is the main focus for me for, I guess, throughout the year. And most of it's like, you know, I have friends that own labels, lots of friends and bands from around the country, and a couple like that we like Kiki Yakamoya that we travel with. So that's if we have some international connections too. And then it just it keeps, yeah, I don't know, it keeps morphing. But that last year, well, not last year, in 2019 was. Um, I'd been bugging Trace to do Psychic Kills forever, and it just, they don't ever tour. But he made it a point to come out last year, kind of do me a solid, like they did it for dirt cheap, first of all, and then it was, you know, it was literally like, let's, we've been like do, talking about doing this forever, and then, yeah, it was the last show they ever played, which is crazy, because then, he, you know, he passed away, I don't, I don't know if you knew that, that like that he passed away a few months ago. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I, I did hear about it. And okay. Really, really sad. I. Yeah. yeah. Horrible. Was, yeah, sucked. Because like they're when they're because they're gonna have a new album coming out too, posthumously, and it's like it's cool. It's really really good. <laughs> like they, he was on the next level of stuff. Trace was he's a cool dude. I actually met Trace at that Boa drum show that I was talking about when I came into New York for the first time. Oh, I met, that, and I met Trace was there at Boa drum. Oh, that's cool. I first heard of the I so. And I hadn't really listened to them too much, but the first time I heard of them was actually because they played Lollapalooza, and I believe it was like 2015, I want to okay. say. Yeah, and I remember seeing them, and um, I didn't get to see their set or anything, but I checked them out. I mean, I kind of just did the thing where it's like I look up all the bands of that I missed that, you know, maybe I should listen to for next time. And Psychic Hill is like this cool, like, psych desert rock sort of thing, and yeah. Kind of like right up my alley. They they got there was a point where they were doing like all that like all the like you were talking about Black Dice and some of the pop they were at that point for a while too. Like the same time that that album came out from Black Dice, they were on that same vibe where it was like they were just doing like tambura drums with bells and like oh yeah all this mystical stuff and then all of a sudden like they it was they had an album that came out I can't remember what year it was. Um, it's called Mirai and it's the whole thing was improv and it's literally all Eastern scale, like just like repetitive bass grooves. It's, it's good, man. Like check it out. It's pretty deep. I will. Deep I stuff. Will. It's because it's cool to hear that and then listen to like their last album, Inner Journey Out, which is like mostly like kind of acid country and hearing where they come from and where they got to. It's, it's cool because it's still the same vibe so, um yeah and it's a mix of local but also the touring bands yeah yeah so, well yeah you gotta have you gotta have local player on there man there's awesome bands in milwaukee there's so many good bands in milwaukee right now and now yeah. it's in the middle of a pandemic so like you know like as soon as as soon as like everything gets at least a little bit better to have, start having live music again all these people are going to come out with such killer music because everyone's been like i know i see so many friends writing right now and working on stuff for the most part just not me apparently <laughs> yeah. yeah i saw you um last year you booked uh limber brain and that is a great band i he just riley just dropped a new album like last week actually oh did he really yeah. i just met him this week literally like a few days ago because i was like i was just thinking out like literally like on my way to work i was like man i wonder what riley's up to because he's, he's such a cool cool cat man he's easy he's definitely unique you know for like he's not you know, do you have like the bartender scene where like, you know, there's so many like people that have get attention just because they're bartenders in Milwaukee and it's a huge deal because everyone goes to bars in Milwaukee. 
and that's how they like how people know about their bands riley's not that dude riley just writes awesome music you know he's like this outside he's a total outsider but he like writes some of the most beautiful music in milwaukee seriously he does i i wrote his album up on breaking and entering and yeah. the way i described it was like it's like oh. i said mountainous folk combined with like bedroom pop ditties and sure. it, it's um yeah he's got such a unique like distinct voice and mm -hmm. uh, yeah and he's Milwaukee got a really in, what's that Milwaukee's Brian Wilson that's what I always call him yeah. or like the second coming of Sigmund Snowpack oh, you know, yeah. yeah he's yeah Riley's doing something different he's he's a really dope guy um mm -hmm. Sure. Yeah, I, I remember seeing some of it. Wasn't uh, Operations on that bill, too? Yeah, yeah. Dude, yeah. their record, Fog Museum, is one of my favorites of the year. Nice, right on, yeah. Yeah, love Operations. I love, I mean, shout out to Elisa. Elisa. Yeah, Elisa's rad. <laughs> no. At least yeah. she's my hero. I think she's my Milwaukee hero, for real. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, she's. Every time I see her, I'm like, damn it, why can't I be you? You're cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, she opened for uh, John Mouse last year. Yeah, I remember, like, for, like, I used to be on Facebook a little bit more, so, like, I saw that stuff. Like, right now, I'm kind of not on there much, but I saw her posting that, and I was like, man, you deserve it. Like, of all the people I know, like, hell yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so um, yeah, that being all said, um, so this year, like, so obviously because of COVID and everything, like, you know, things are what what did you have planned for this year that ultimately didn't end up manifesting i think the most thing like the most the band i was probably most excited for is pacific range to come out from california um back to, like they're totally i mean this is totally like probably like my dad speaking now because they sound like the band a lot they, they kind of i mean like the band the dead they have that vibe that west coast like Hey man, like everything's all right. Everything's gonna be great, you know. But and they have like, these, but they have these beautiful, like, uplifting poppy country songs. But it's you know, it's total stoner country stuff. It's not even. I don't. Know, I call everything country now. It's not really country. I don't know what it is. But it's got it's got that rural vibe, you know. Well, I'm yeah. sorry. They call it canyon. It's a canyon vibe. Canyon vibe. That. I think they're talking about Laurel Canyon. Oh yeah, I dig that. Yeah, but it, they're really cool. Um, I was really excited because they don't, I mean, they'll never come around here. So like the fact that I got them, I bugged them enough to get them to come. And then all this crap happened because they're, they're blown up. They're going to be like, if they do come through the Midwest, it's going to be like, it's going to be on a huge tour. And I probably, I won't ever be able to afford to get them at Psychfest because they're blown up really, they're blown up quick. They have uh, Beachwood Sparks is like their, that band is their, their reps pretty much. So they're kind of guiding them through everything because they're younger dudes. And they already have like they have breweries naming like beers after them out west and like oh, damn. yeah and they're like headlining festivals that are still happening there they're doing all these driving music festivals out in California right now and they're headlining a lot of those things so I don't yeah we'll see what ha we'll see what happens but that I was excited for them excited for Garcia Peoples Riley Walker those are good friends of mine. you know like Riley's a good old friend of mine um, was excited to see him. I'm trying to remember everything that I had booked. It's like, as soon as all, like, everything got canceled, I kind of was like, nah, get away from me then. I don't want to think about all the things that can't happen this year. Yeah. Yeah. But it's like, I mean, it's still some, it's something to build on for next time it happens. You know, I've been talking to everybody and Los Dug Dugs from Mexico, they still want to come up and tour the States and they, that band rips. So that'd be cool. Do you think it would ever become like a virtual thing next year? Like if, I mean, concerts probably... No, it's stick, strictly uh, in person. Yeah, I, I, I'm totally cool. Like, cool. Other people can do that stuff. That's cool. I, super old school, man. Like live music, the vibe, the, you know, like everything. And it's Andrew, it's, I, I agree with you. I, I think that's a wise decision. I mean, it's especially because of the specific kind of music it is too. Like, yeah, and it's, but that's what and the festival. Everybody that's come through, like, because last year we had so many people flying from other countries. And every time I talk to people, the reason like they like the, our festival more than Austin or whatever, you know, name whatever Liverpool or whatever like festival around the world is because the intimacy of our festival, the, um, you know, availability of the artists. Like we don't separate, we don't separate the artists from the attendee. Like 
there's no separation there. Like a band plays, they go sell their merch right there in that room, you know, and it's people love that. And people love that. Like they just love the intimacy of it. They love to be able to talk to the band when they get done playing. They love that they can just go 20 feet back and forth to catch, you know, a, another band playing or whatever. And it's, I'll never go to a larger venue. Like I Cooper's like everyone at the Cooper's has been so like accommodating and helpful with everything. They like, they're one of the biggest parts of the festival at this point. Like John and John and Jason and all the staff at the Coop, like they go above and beyond with everything I do. So it's like, if, even if I do, if it goes outdoor, I kind of want to, I want to do it in the parking lot there. And along the, like the Milwaukee KK rivers, I think that'd be so sweet with the home bridge as the background. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. I'll be there. I'll be there. Yeah. It'd, it'd be cool. So yeah. I don't, yeah. That's yeah. I can't do virtual stuff. I just, I can't do it for me. And I, if, if, if bands needed the money and needed me to do it, I'd put something together, but I don't It'd be something different. It wouldn't be psych fest. Maybe. It, yeah. It, I, it, yeah. It would just be like, they could use the Instagram or the Facebook live feeds and like, but it wouldn't be like, yeah, I couldn't do it. I couldn't, yeah. I'm not going to curate a full day of online bands playing. Yeah. And no shout fun. out to, shout out to Stacy. Right. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, Stacy helps a ton too. Yeah, Stacy, Jennifer, and Abigail, Leighton, Bill. Yeah, there's a there's a bunch of cats that help out with Psychfest for sure. You know, especially like during the festival, it gets crazy. Like Martha and Connor. Yeah, they like they put up a bunch of bands last year. So there's there's so many people that like help out with the festival when when it when it comes game time where they're like bands need to stay somewhere, somebody needs this. I need like last year. Uh, Martha and Connor went some went picked up uh, one of the bands in Chicago. So I mean, like, and everyone's so willing to do. It. Everyone's like, if you need help, just let me know. And it's like, okay, can you drive to Chicago to O'Hare and like, and sit there for four hours, like waiting for traffic and for luggage and stuff? Yeah, totally. <laughs> okay, no, thank you. We'll make a we'll make a trip out of it. You know, we'll pack yeah, a nice yeah, lunch. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, totally. Then I was like, we'll go to the Chicago diner and get some food, and then we'll go to the airport or something. Like, yeah, you know, it's like, okay, right on. Well, that right there is the camaraderie that I love so much about um, our music scene up here and that they want it to happen so bad that they are going to, you know, go out of their way to accommodate and make sure your job is easier and that the bands, you know, have a great time. And, and man, that's so, that's so beautiful. Like, yeah, like you said, shout out to all those people for, it's, Hopefully make it work. All, yeah, it's all about the bands, for sure. Like, that, I think that's why everyone, I mean, you, gotta, you, want Milwaukee, you want people to come back to Milwaukee. You take care of people, they're going to come back to Milwaukee. And everyone, everyone's excited about the bands, so they want to come back. So they're nice to them. <laughs> come, come say hi to Ben. Hi. I'm interviewing, I'm interviewing Dad about his music. She's like, boring. <laughs> it's all right. I was a kid with out of control, too, so I get it. Um, well, Andrew, um, I think we did some great work here today. It was so great to hear about your music and, you know, Thanks. the people you've worked with and also just, like, you know, where your head's at right now because, like you said, I mean, similarly, there's so much um, bleakness in, you know, not only the – the culture of music but the 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 futility of individualism right now and how we all need to come together and form a collective effort to fight for justice and fight for just a better society so that like you said like we've been saying that we can get back together and enjoy shows again and you know just uh branch off of that love and positivity but right now yeah some of us don't know what to do so yeah, and, and yeah, like, and I just want to touch on that too because it's music will always be there, and it's, it's we we just got to work on what we we need to do what we got to do right now, you know, and that's for everyone. Not, yeah. you know, and when it comes to this, you know, the people suffering right now that are, you know, and I'm not talking about racial disparities and all the social injustices, but just even the person that's suffering through depression and anxiety and alone right now, like we. You got a lot of work to do all of us do you know like if, if if you can if you can handle load please do it you know 
all I can ask for people right now. Yeah. What you can do, and if you can't do anything, we'll do it for you. We'll help you. Yeah. You know, we're, we're, we got it covered, right? Yeah. Ditto. Yeah. So, Andrew, as we're closing out here, um, tell me, uh, tell me what um, keeps you up at night. <laughs> oh my gosh, what doesn't keep me up at night? Uh, owls. Owls. <laughs> yeah, owls don't. Yeah, no, they're actually <laughs> quite quite cathartic. Um, <laughs> good though. That was good, honey. Yeah. Uh, what well, keeps me up at night? Music. No. Music not is this. Just... Not this time. Not this year. No, honey. No, no. Question no. the toilet. Okay, no, no, no more, no more. Okay. Please, thanks. Okay. Uh, I try so far. It's like so hard to not get it up, like sucked into the news and where we're at right now in this current state of the world. But it, it, it's impossible not to. And one thing I'm noticing right now is the complete lack and inability for people to empathize. And that terrifies me because that's the only way I think that we're ever going to get through this collectively. You know, right wing, left wing, anything like the extremism that's happening um, from people not willing to listen, no compromise. I understand, you know, obviously we've been fighting this fight for a long time and I understand where people's hearts are when it comes to like the you know, the fanaticism of, of, you know, the, the direness of the change that's required. But, you know, I, I hate saying it because it's like, I don't, I can't, I can't put, possibly put myself in the shoes of the people that have been oppressed for so long that they feel a need to burn something down or to hurt somebody. But I do understand why it gets to that point. What yeah. bothers me when people don't understand how it can get to that point. Like, we can all agree that's wrong. The people that are doing it can agree in hindsight, probably, you know, probably not the best solution either, but people are, people are pissed, people are upset, people are sick of it. Yeah. And I'm, I just, but, but the inability for a lot of these folks, I, I live in a really conservative area up here and I hear, I hear it all the time. And it's like, but can't, can't you, like, how would you feel if your great grandpa, your grandpa, your father, you all went through the same exact thing and all you did was ask for help over and over and over again and no, and people just turned their turned their cheek or said that it wasn't happening when this thing was happening to you. Like this was happening to you over and over and over again, and you just kept denying that it was even. Uh, these people were denying that it happened. You'd yep. be pissed. You would lose it. You you will crack. You will break, and that's what's happening right now. Man, that's why uh, free Palestine. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. We're talking about the United States right now. You've been talking about Palestine. What, since the 40s yeah for almost for like 80 years almost yeah and but it's being done like israel is being backed by the u.s which is which you know, yeah where we yeah. see everything we're talking about too but you know in uh but on our own soil by the same system mm -hmm. yeah it's i mean there's still like allies and access and it's almost like it's i feel like it's the roles have reversed almost you see these like you see these socialist and you know communist countries and it yeah we know that they're bad there there's some of them are, you know there's still stuff happening in them but you just don't i mean the intent doesn't seem like this it almost seems like people are still trying to do good there yeah just, whereas like we see sometimes we look at we look like we're evil we really look evil to some people oh man i've been Man, I'm glad you're bringing this up because that's exactly what we're learning. That's what the PSL is all like. I mean, we study Marxism and Leninism and talking about like, you know, the socialism that actually existed versus like the socialism that the U.S. imperialist propaganda like barked up to make it so the U.S. was able to, you know, spread influence on other parts of the world. And I mean, yeah, like you said, like there's... I mean, yeah, like there's plenty of problems with things like China and North Korea. Like those societies aren't perfect. They've done horrible things, but you know, a lot of it is, but like the U S like uses that stuff as like pawns to increase, you know, the, the support for its own empire and it's they evil. Use, yeah. They use it for perpetuation nationalism for God's sake. Like what? I mean, it's, it's, it's disgusting. Uh, it's sad. It's sad. Like, it talks about she does the national anthem or she does the pledge of allegiance i'm sorry 
in the mornings at school and we're like uh well yeah yeah mm -hmm. man unfortunately, unfortunately like most of the words from that aren't true <laughs> yeah yeah no kidding <laughs> so and that being all one nation under god you know <laughs> right exactly so that all being said andrew what what puts you to sleep um Lies, TV. 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 Yeah, we don't watch that much TV. Um, I guess know like knowing how hard the younger generations are working on this, seeing the change happen in front of us. You know, this isn't going away. You know, like this isn't a flash in the pan right now. Like it was, it was a flash in the pan when it happened before. I feel like when we, I feel like it's in the '90s when when I was really like active. I felt like that was a flash in the pan. Like we had made like changes but not this widespread this is happening not just nationally but internationally you know i mean <laughs> could you imagine if we like had like an international union if we made this happen the way it was supposed to happen where it's like the whole world became like privy to the haves and the have-nots and we all worked towards common goal of equality and like people could actually afford health care i mean like it's a beautiful thing, and it's. I, I feel like this is the first time that happening. So yeah, that that excites me. That yeah. Much. Yeah, Andrew, I, I I also dream of the equitable globe that you know people like you and I just we, that we dream of, that we fight for every day, and that we, you know, that inspires us to create, to learn, to educate, and to grow. And yeah, man, I. 100% that's what puts me to sleep too, is knowing that what we fight for is for, you know, it's it's a hopeful optimism that there's going to be a better world for ourselves, but also for our kids and our kids' kids. So yep. yeah. thank you so much, Andrew, for being on the show. Of course, Ben. Thank you so much for having me. It's so good to talk to you finally. So great to talk to you as well. For everyone watching, uh, be sure to post links to Moss Folk. Uh, AJ Michelle from the Rolling Hills, um, as well as Milwaukee Psych Fest. So you get to see all of his work. And um, yeah, man, keep doing what you're doing. I love what you're doing. Thank you. Thank you for watching, Mr. Nice Guy, everybody. We'll see you next time. Cheers.